Hi, I'm Sarah Gabrielle Barron, and you're listening to Radioactive, a podcast about all things nuclear in Canada. I'm coming to you from the Dominus Singh, or Manitoulin Island, which is Anishinaabek First Nation territory. Today we're talking about Pinawa, Manitoba. Let's get started. Hi, Anne. How are you? Hi, Sarah. I'm well, thank you. Super. Um, Before we get started, I'll just give you a short introduction. Anne Lindsay has been working on nuclear power issues since the early 1980s when she got involved with concerned citizens of Manitoba. She became a spokesperson for the group and organized an international conference on nuclear waste in Winnipeg in 1986. Soon after, she became the chair of the Canadian Environmental Network's Energy Caucus. Anne was the executive director of the Manitoba Eco Network for 20 plus years, where she also co-founded and co-chaired Climate Change Connection. Anne Lindsay was awarded the Order of Manitoba in 2017. So Anne, before we get started, I just want to say thank you for your, your decades, your lifetime of devotion to citizen issues around the environment. Well, you're welcome. That's what makes Canada great, is people like you. Um, And so I think a lot of Canadians really don't know anything about Penawa, Manitoba. Can you please tell us where it is, maybe a little bit about the ecosystem, the watershed, and and what is in Penawa regarding nuclear power? Sure, yeah. So um, Pinawa is a small community about 120 kilometers northeast of Winnipeg. Um, it is situated on the Winnipeg River, uh, which is um, a, a major river that flows into Lake Winnipeg. And, and most of the, uh, yeah, the, the Winnipeg River has tributaries that rise in Ontario. So almost yeah. all the way to Ignace, Ontario, uh, mm. through the Lake of the Woods and so forth. So um, it is on a major river system. Um, and the town of Pinawa was created back in the early 60s as a support community for um, something called the White Shell Nuclear Research Establishment, which um, also hosted um, a test reactor, a research reactor at Pinawa. So, uh, so that reactor was built. Uh, the idea was it would test organic coolant. It would test other kinds of, of radio radiation issues and so forth related to reactors. Uh, and it required this population of scientists that all moved to Pinawa from various places. So, you know, the, comp- the, the town is still there. Uh, the reactor was in fact closed down in 1985 and it's awaiting decommissioning uh, these many years later. Um, let's see, so during its operation, uh, much research was carried out there on a variety of topics, as I've mentioned. But the other thing that happened uh, from time to time where there were a variety of uh, smaller and larger accidents, um, there was one in 1978, which involved a pump failure. Um, it, it, there was no radiological report that came out from that, but it did require manual shutdown of some valves and so forth. Uh, we also know that there were leaks into the Winnipeg River of various kinds, including organic coolant. Um, and it was hard to find out about those accidents. There, uh, people had to file freedom of information requests to get any information about those accidents. So what you have there now is this um, the remains of this reactor that was in operation all those years. Um, it is It has a decommissioning license. Um, the idea when this um, thing was built was that 
the all the radioactive components and fuel and so forth would be removed from the site and that the site would be returned to greenfield status. Um, so what's happened more recently is in um, uh, 2014, I guess, AECL, um, the Atomic Energy of Canada Limited, uh, turned over almost all of its work to a, a consortium called Canadian Nuclear Laboratories. Uh, they are um, a contracting organization to the government of Canada, and they've proposed a different um, idea for the um, nuclear reactor at Pinawa. They what what they would like to see in terms of decommissioning is something that's never been done in Canada be before, and it's called in situ decommissioning, otherwise known as entombment, which essentially means that um, what remains there on site, um, the radioactive building and components and so forth, would be all buried into the lower levels of reactor, which are just underground, and then sealed up with grout, and then essentially left there in perpetuity. And there are many problems that have been identified with this uh, approach and this idea. And in fact, um, they did a draft environmental impact statement in 2017, and we're still awaiting uh, the updated draft after all the various comments were were sent in um, and concerns were sent in to the regulator about this proposal. I huh. should say that the spent fuel from the reactor has been, for the most part, moved off site, or it may all have been at this point, I'm not sure, but um, it's been moved to Chalk River for more interim storage, I guess. So, Anne, you had a hand in that, right? In um, in in some some citizen activity around around nuclear waste. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I didn't even realize there was a nuclear reactor in Pinawa, to tell you the truth, for many years. Um, I became aware of it after I got involved with a group called Concerned Citizens of Manitoba. That group started up in Lactabonne, which is a town and municipality adjacent to Pinawa, right across the river. People there were very concerned when AECL moved its all its research on high-level waste, I'm going to say management, I think they called it disposal, into Manitoba, and they built um, what's called an underground research lab at Lactabonne. So essentially a really deep, uh, hundreds of meters deep shaft into the rock. And the initial plans for this shaft after doing a bunch of testing was that it could become a repository for all of Canada's high level nuclear waste, which is the spent fuel, very highly radioactive spent fuel that comes right. out of a nuclear reactor. So that's the impetus for that group to get started. Um, and, and as I said, I got involved and then the group really, um, after a while, grew to include many, many people in Winnipeg, uh, churches, rural municipalities. There was a huge amount of concern about this project going on um, to the point where we lobbied and lobbied for legislation and eventually were successful. The province passed legislation banning nuclear waste disposal in Manitoba in 1988. So eventually ACL moved that um, research uh, closed the research site down and moved on to their next iteration, which took the form of the Nuclear Waste Management Organization, which is now investigating essentially the same thing, 
but at different sites. They've boiled it down to a site in southern Ontario and potentially one in northwestern Ontario. Interestingly, it's on the same watershed as the Winnipeg River, so it could still be a a big problem for, for our watershed here. So yeah, that's how I eventually got involved. And also our group has been an intervener and has submitted comments around this proposed decommissioning of the the reactor that is currently sitting there waiting for something to be done with it. Am I right, before we move on to the new plans, am I right that the high-level nuclear waste from Pinawa, from the experimental reactor there, has been moved to Chalk River, Ontario? Yes, actually you are. And and uh, it, it may they may still be in the process of moving it, but that is true. The, the spent fuel, mm-hmm. um, also called high-level radioactive waste, has been moved to Chalk River. But I will say that because of the various accidents that I mentioned and just the very nature of the experimentation that was going on at Pinawa, that in fact some of the components of the reactor that remain there are probably classifiable as high-level radioactive waste um, and certainly as intermediate-level waste. And they will absolutely, we know that well, there will be um, radionuclides of concern that will last for many, many, many thousands of years before they're safe mm. to, you know, in the biosphere. And they have to be protected from water and from people in the biosphere for, for thousands and thousands of years. Okay, so let's move on to the new plans for Pinawa. Sure, yeah. Well, okay, so here we have this hulk of a reactor sitting there waiting. Um, and the mayor of Pinawa and apparently the council of the local government district and the several of the nuclear scientists that still live there, I guess, want Pinawa to have another nuclear reactor. Um, so they're proposing um, what they call a small modular nuclear reactor, which is in line with um, the federal government's push to have a sort of new generation of reactors in Canada. And, and the federal government is really touting it as a as a way to fight climate change. But in fact, there's much, much research that really brings that into question. It's a super expensive idea to build these small reactors. Um, they have all kinds of their own safety concerns. There's the waste concerns and so forth. So it's a bit of a problem. But what we think is that Pinawa is hoping to get a slice of the um, financial pie that has become available um, through the federal government, through its budget, um, to build a demonstration reactor at Pinawa. Um, and the idea that we've, we, you know, we've read about this on the Pinawa website, they, they plan to build this new reactor and have it as a demonstration site so that um, people can come and see it and they think that there will be small versions of these little reactors dotted around northern Canada uh, as a way of remote communities and mining towns and so forth um, getting electricity. So Pinawa evidently is in line to build another one of these reactors and, and absolutely they're being promoted across the country in different locations. Uh, yeah. I think all with the hope of getting a piece of the federal pie of money. So 
let's dig into what exactly these small modular reactors are and, and what as a citizen you've been able to learn about it and what kind of information is actually being blocked. Let's start out with, am I right that they do not have, to, that they've been exempted from environmental review assessments? Yeah, essentially that is correct. Um, the consortium that essentially runs all the nuclear stuff in Canada, it's, it's led by SNC-Lavalin which is, you know, a big and, and sort of influential corporation in this country, they lobbied successfully to the federal government to have these small modular reactors, uh, anything under 300 megawatts, exempted from impact assessment under the new Impact Assessment Act. So that essentially means that the only kind of environmental assessment they would get would be undertaken by Canada's nuclear regula regulator, the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission, which, you know, doesn't really have expertise in environmental assessments and certainly not in socioeconomic um, assessment and that kind of thing. So that's a big problem. Um, that's one of the issues. The other one is that um, the, there's about, I don't know, 20 or more different models of small nuclear reactors that are being touted, that are being um, sort of shopped around, I guess, for uh, people's buying yeah. pleasure. I don't know. There's, <laughs> there, there, most of them have not been proven. They, they, I don't think any of them have actually been built. Um, they're very much in the testing phase. There's, uh, it's pretty clear that none of them would even become usable until about 2030. And of course, if they're being touted as a climate change solution, that's way too far down the line. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then there's all, there's all kinds of problems that come up with them. Like this one at Pinawa, for example, um, is a high-temperature gas-cooled reactor. Um, although it's a small version, there have been these kinds of reactors built in the past in different places and have had they've been played with a number of really important problems, like a sort of series of small safety issues that could result in bigger, bigger problems. Um, there has been no plan for what will be done with the waste like when when the fuel in these reactors is actually used up and they're ready to be decommissioned what are they going to do with the waste are they just going to leave them all over Canada in different remote locations mm -hmm. and then the other big issue is the actual fuel that these different reactor designs will use um, some are going to be apparently using reprocessed uh, plutonium fuel which is extracted from from spent fuel and some are using uh, the one at Pinawa we should be using we're told um, enriched uranium this is something we don't make in Canada right now so the fuel presumably would have to be imported from somewhere and there are really important international nuclear weapons proliferation concerns with enriched uranium it's something that you hear about um, in conjunction with uh, the news about Iran, for example. So the international community is not super excited when when um, countries start to want to use enriched uranium for fuel. Um, Canada never has done this before. So um, it's it's all kinds of new things that are coming along and not very well understood and hard to get information from the general public. So yeah, um, yeah. So just know, to be clear um, for our listeners, plutonium and enriched uranium are used to make nuclear bombs. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That is the that's the issue, and so you you end up having these sort of security risks with this uh, fuel potentially located in various um, spots across Canada, many of which you know are small and remote communities that this these kinds of reactors are being promoted for.
as a citizen um, and with with your decades of experience, you know, it sounds like like back in the 80s and the 90s, you did a lot of of citizen group, a lot of petitioning. Um, I think at one point you were telling me in an in an earlier conversation that you had drama. You you did drama. <laughs> That's yeah. really fun. Um, but now a it's a lot of political theater. Political theater, yeah, yeah. But now it's 2021. How do you go about accessing information? Is it easier than back then? Is it harder? And how do you go about disseminating that information to citizens? And how do you go about, frankly, stopping something like this? Yeah, that's those are all really good questions. Um, I I don't know if it's easier or harder to get information, but it's not been it has not been easy to get information about what's going on, especially this little one at Pinawa. It seems kind of really under the radar. Um, so, you know, I've been participating with a group of um, other individuals from across the country uh, who are similarly concerned with the small modular reactors, and we share the information that we find. Um, there's a number of really um, well-positioned professors, for example, um, who participate in, in, in our discussions and who have been able to bring about some really useful information. Um, we, we, as a group, we do our best to write op-eds and letters to the editor and things like that. Um, we try to bring the media's attention to this. Uh, there has been very little attention to it, certainly here in Manitoba. Um, still writing letters to, to um, governments and so forth, doing presentations for interested groups and that kind of thing. Um, because there's no sort of formal venue of an environmental assessment and public hearings, I think it becomes much harder to get the details that citizens might um, use to, um, to, to help form decisions around these kinds of projects and to uh, bring to attention of, the, uh, of our leaders who are making these decisions um, some of the things that they ought to know that maybe aren't being revealed very publicly. So, yeah. it's, so, it's so the fact not, that there's not enough public consultation going on or any public consultations going on, is that because they're exempt from environmental review? Well, I think that's a part of it. Um, and I, I think the, the an important part, but I think the other part is that um, the federal government is very dead set on promoting these small nuclear reactors and very pro-nuclear in their stance. So... Um, they seem to think it seems to be that they just can sort of make decisions to put these nuclear reactors up wherever they want without necessarily having any kind of due process for citizens to participate um, and uh, and and feed into that decision making process. So I think that's a huge issue. Um, nobody has asked the citizens of Manitoba if they want a reactor at Pinawa. Um, it just seems like the local government of Pinawa has has somehow got the ear of the province of Manitoba and seems they seem to say that the province is okay with that. We've written to the premier to see if there's, see what we can uh, find out from there, um, waiting for that response. But at, at this point in time, it's just like somebody's making a decision that these things can be built, but um, they're not really going to invite public input on it.
so one last question before I let you go. In terms of um, radiation poisoning from various different types of radionuclides, um, from the existing waste that's there, um, from transportation of waste, from from potential new um, experimental fuels coming into the community, into the watershed, um, and a new experimental reactor, and the waste from the new um, experimental reactor. Is there any independent body that, that keeps track of that kind of testing in your province? Or is it really just up to the people who are profiting off it to regulate themselves? Hmm, well, that's a good question. I. I would say no in terms of the province itself. There seems to be very little interest in our province, in the government, to actually monitor health impacts or anything like that around the nuclear um, issues. Although, you know, Manitoba has only had that experimental reactor here in the past. Mm -hmm. So at a federal level, um, Health Canada should be engaged in doing uh, health monitoring and so forth for all of the nuclear industry. Um, but I don't think there's um, very strong representation there. Um, I, I, I think that for the most part, it's it's down to the citizens in, in communities that host nuclear facilities to, to do their own kind of monitoring and bring to attention any, any uh, anomalies that they see. Uh, in mm -hmm. terms of people's health regarding the nuclear industry. Well, that's astounding. Thank you so much, Anne. Um, this has been really eye-opening about, about what is apparently okay in our country. <laughs> I really appreciate all the work that you've done over the years, and I really appreciate you doing this interview with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Okay, take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs>